passage, we have to understand the disciples, they also face these external factors that really challenge their faith in Christ. And it's very evident here that they didn't really truly know him for who he was yet. It says here, and a fierce gale of wind developed and the waves were breaking over the boat so much that the boat was already filling with water. You know, I've been to Jerusalem. I've been to Israel. I've been to the Sea of Galilee. I actually spent three days there. And if you went there, you would see that there are hills that are just surrounding the Sea of Galilee and it becomes this bowl. And what happens is the wind comes over those hills and it sits and it swirls around in that bowl. And these disciples, like Will said in the poem, they had grown up there. They had lived there. Some of them did. They were raised by their parents to be fishermen. They'd probably heard stories of people dying out there on the water. So I just want you to imagine right now and just put your thoughts where they were, where they're sitting on this boat with Jesus. And they're looking out these waves and Jesus is asleep at the front of the boat. And they imagine just the coldness of the water as, as they begin to lap it in as they're drowning. And they only have just their fingertips that are just above the water. And every time a wave comes by, it just immerses them again and again. I don't know if you guys have ever been surfing, but the only safe part of being out in the wave is actually in the wave itself. But you need to come up for breath at some point and you just can't stay there. And in between waves, you have to time it just right. Otherwise you get demolished again and again. So they're right there in the moment. Just wanting, just imagining how they're gonna take that last breath. It's very serious, right? That's specifically what's going on here, but it couldn't help but think of the external factors in our life, which have our focus our full focus, what do you guys think about the most? What are the things that really, really bother you and tear you up? And I wanna ask you a personal question is, is that thing drawing you closer to Jesus or is it drawing you away? Is there something you're afraid of that will cause death or pain or ridicule? Is there something that is drawing your attention away like money or things or friendships or hobbies? or what is going on in the world. If we were just to go back just a little bit farther in the same chapter, we see Jesus talking about the parable of the soils. It says, and he said to them, do you not understand this parable? How will you understand all the parables? The sower sows the word. These are the ones who are beside the road where the word is sown. And when they hear immediately, Satan comes and takes away the word which has been sown in them. In a similar way, these are the ones whom the seed was sown in the rocky places who, when they heard the word, immediately receive it with joy. And they have no firm root in themselves, but only temporary. Then when affliction or persecution arises because of the word, immediately they fall away. And others are the ones on whom seed was sown among the thorns. These are the ones who have heard the word, but the worries of the world and the deceitfulness of riches and the desires for other things enter and choke the word and it becomes unfruitful. And those are the ones on whom the seed was sown on the good soil. And they hear the word and accept it, and bear fruit 30, 60, and a hundredfold. The word is the gospel. It's the truth of Christ. And I don't want to be all weird and scary and whatnot, but this is something I think about just about every day. I flip over the stones of faith and I say, am I walking this out with you, Lord? Would you just dig anything out of me that is keeping me from bearing fruit, Lord? Would you do this work in me? 
You know, fear, there's a, a, God gave us fear. There's a healthy fear. There's a reverence for things. Um, you know that you're not supposed to put a fork in an outlet, right? You know you're not supposed to touch fire or, or taunt a bear. But what about when fear becomes irrational? What about when fear is placed, believing that that thing is ultimately greater than Christ. And I believe that's really what we see here with the disciples. But going back to the things, the cares of the world that draw us away, I heard a quote that said, our greatest enemy that comes after a hunger for God is not poison, but apple pie. It's actually the good things, not the obviously the bad things, but sometimes it's the good things that crop up. Um, this could be relationships where you put all of your time into your relationship, or it could be a new job where you're like, I'm going to, I know I need to be in this discipleship study or this Bible study or spending time with God, but you know, I got to work so much and I think I'm just going to, I'm just going to go to sleep. And so we totally neglect him. These things are spiritually destructive and lead to shipwreck. We can even be tempted to rely on our own strength or material abundance when we think we have everything. You know, personally for me, I, uh, I get really caught up in hobbies. I get obsessed with them. Kyle knows I've gone and worked out with him and we become obsessed with it and we start working out every day together and I begin to form my identity around that thing until the Holy Spirit convicts me and he's just like, no, that's not who you are. That is actually a lie. And he comes and he takes that thing and plucks it out of me. And I'm thankful for that. You see, the disciples believed that the storm was more powerful than the one who had created it, which caused them to panic. If they truly understood at that moment who Jesus was and his mission, they would not have been worried. So which leads me into my next question. Teacher, do you not care that we're perishing? Does God care about these external things that affect us? Well, Psalm 46, 1 through 3 says, God is our refuge and strength, a very ready help in trouble. Therefore, we will not fear, though the earth shakes and the mountains slip into the heart of the sea, though its waters roar and foam, though the mountains quake at its swelling pride. It says, say law at the end, which means think about this. Think about this. This is important. This is a very encouraging promise from God. I like to meditate on the promises of God daily. And I believe that David, the psalmist, knew this best just 23 psalms ago. He said, the Lord is my shepherd. I will not be in need. He lets me lie down in green pastures. He leads me besides quiet water. See, David was a shepherd. He knew the ins and outs of sheep. He, he, he took care of them. He knew that sheep were incredibly fragile and relational. And he compared himself to one. He knew that without a shepherd, that sheep would go off on their own, get into trouble, get eaten by wolves, could not find clean water on their own. And that's actually what it means by, by quiet waters. He wouldn't take a sheep down to turbulent river waters where it would get sucked in and sucked down the stream. He would find clean water where the sheep could drink freely and protected. You know, and Jesus, he confirms these shepherding qualities in himself. This is where I find my sustenance. This is where I find my life, my living water. And he even says this. He says, my sheep listen to my voice and I know them 
and they follow me and I give them eternal life and they will never perish and no one will snatch them out of my hand. My father who has given to me is greater than all and no one is able to snatch them out of my father's hand. I and the father are one. See, as true sheep, they hear his voice and they desire him. They know and trust Jesus, knowing that he's going to lead them not into material prosperity, but spiritual life abundant in him. And they hunger and thirst for that. And he got up and rebuked the wind and said to the sea, hush, be still. And the wind died down and it became perfectly calm. And he said to them, why are you afraid? Do you still have no faith? Jesus demonstrated his power as deity over the elements. He had complete control over what was to happen to the disciples. And I want to let you know that he has control over what happens to you in your life as a believer. It says, in whose hands are the depths of the earth? The peaks of the mountains are also his. The sea is his, for it was he who made it, and his hands formed the dry land. He created all of this stuff. So, of course, he has control of it. We don't have to be worried about those things. My ultimate goal in life is to know the crucified and risen Christ, to know him intimately. And he actually wants to know us. He actually pursues a relationship with you. Did you guys know that? Yeah, it's amazing. Christ was shaping the disciples as they walk with him, giving them a new identity in him, so he is shaping you. Proverbs 3, 5 through 6 says, Trust in the Lord with all your heart and do not lean on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him and he will make your path straight. I just learned the other day, the word acknowledge means to know him in every situation. When I come to God's word and I'm reading it, I'm asking him for a spiritual work to be done in my life, for this to be spiritually applied to my life. And I begin to see his wisdom. And in Romans 12, it says, I'm beginning to be conformed to him, to his word, this entire lifetime process. God's desire is for us to know him, yeah, in all circumstances. And it is a God, it is God at work in us that energizes the believer's desires and actions to do what pleases him. Is a work once he has started, he will finish. In John 15, it says, I am the true vine, and my father is the vine dresser. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. And every branch that bears fruit, he prunes it so that it may bear more fruit. You are already clean because of the word which I have spoken to you. Remain in me. In other translations, abide in me. And I in you, just as the branch cannot bear fruit of itself, but must remain in the vine, so neither can you unless you remain in me. I in the vine, you are the branches. The one who remains in me and I in him bears much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. So what is abiding in Jesus? We can't do anything apart from God. We can't bear anything of eternal value apart from God. Well, it's obedience. It's dependence. It's communion with him. He wants to continue to bring that more into your life. Those are the things he really desires. Another personal question. I want to ask you guys is when these external factors enter into your life, 
Is he the first one that you go to? We clearly see that the disciples were like, do you care that you're perished, that we're perishing? And they woke him up and he calmed the seas immediately. But he's he the first one you go to. Do you search him out in his word? Because I guarantee you this is the most comforting book you've ever read. <laughs> Do you trust him in the things that even seem impossible? You know, I, I found that that's the place where God likes to work the most. There's a lot of things that I'm incredibly uncomfortable about that God calls me into and begins to shape me through those things. It says they became very much afraid and said to one another, who then is this? that even the wind and the sea obey him. When we really look and see God for who he really is, that's worship. And I want to be in that place every single day where he reveals it to me. I want to see it through his eyes, through the author, the creator's eyes. Who is this Jesus? Well, Jesus is God. He is God. He's the living Christ. He sits at the right hand of the Father. He came here in the likeness of man. He taught, performed signs, miracles. He was ultimately rejected by his own people. Who he came for. He was crucified. He died and he bore our sin on the cross. And three days after he was buried, he rose again. And all those who believe in him will have eternal life. But that word believe, real saving faith, to claim him truly as your Lord, to know him as your savior, to flee from your sin and run to him, knowing that he's the only one that has atoned for, that he's the only one who can give you eternal life. On that day when I truly recognized that, that I had transgressed against God's law, but that I had a way in him, that he offered that to me and he saved me. It was the greatest day of my life and it's allowed me by his Holy Spirit that he gave me to live it out with him. Guys, I would love to pray and I would love just to talk about the things in our life that are just kind of crowding out the shepherd's voice that are questions you may have. You're like, I don't know if this is the right direction for my life. Is this what God wants? Is this what I, what I want? I'd love to talk about those things. Could we just like have a moment where we just break up into some smaller groups and, and get into that? Is that cool? Yeah. So Father God, I just uh, want to come before you right now and I just want to thank you again, Lord. I ask, Lord, that you would just reveal your wisdom to us, that we could just, you would give us the strength to follow after you. Father, I just, uh, I pray if there's anybody who really wants to know you, Jesus, that you would just soften their heart so they could. Lord, I just, I know people who, uh, 
claim they were with Jesus for years and then 45 rolls around and like, man, maybe I'm missing something. I really want to know the living Christ. I want to put my faith in him and the power of his redemptive blood. So I just pray this, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen.